Hello and welcome to the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast series. I'm your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature. And in this podcast, I interview leaders from different organisations and industries to find out more about the challenges they face in leading through uncertainty and how they overcome them. This week, I'm talking to Theo Millward, Managing Director of Swim Time, providing swimming lessons all over the UK. Theo has all the passion and enthusiasm of a young entrepreneur, but there's no naivety in his business. It's based on a vision for the future of humanity, pushing the boundaries of what's possible, yet grounded in the hard graft of execution. There's so much in this podcast to take away for every leader in business about challenging the status quo. Hi Theo, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Um, Can you tell us, for the benefit of the listeners, who you are and what you do? Uh, So my name is Theo, uh, Theo Millward. I'm the uh, Managing Director of a company called Swimtime. We are the largest independent provider of swimming lessons in the UK. So we teach uh, children up to adults, cradle to grave, to swim. Wow, so you've got a really diverse population that you're working with. Yes, (laughs) yes we do. Uh, Predominantly um, younger people, children, is our main thing. so, but also their parents, I assume. Because yes, you, in some you know, you're, liaising, you're liaising even if you're not teaching them. I'm guessing that you're liaising with the parents as well. We are, yes, and we, we have some we have um, we have some interesting experiences where quite often uh, a parent's uh, view, I guess, of, of a child's progression might not necessarily be what our teachers think. So that can often be some interesting mm. challenges. But yes. So how do you handle that? Um, well, normally, I mean, the main thing really for us is to reinforce that our teachers are obviously fully qualified and, uh, you know, we've been doing this quite a long time. So the business has been going 20 years. I didn't found it. I, I bought it as an existing business. So we've got a lot of experience. And just to try and explain the progression that we're trying to get the child to do and why we're trying to reinforce certain skills. And occasionally that actually means going backwards to go forwards. It, it can happen. But mm-hmm. you hear this a lot with, with you know, um, education. It's it's a very personal, tailored journey. You know, every every learner learns differently. Every mm-hmm. learner responds to different input. And that's how that's how we get the best results. So. And it's not always linear, is it, the learning Absolutely process? Not. <laughs> Absolutely not. And funnily enough, a really big piece of work we're doing at the moment, which is really exciting, is actually trying to move away from this kind of doing distances of you do your five metres, you ten metres, you're fifteen, and actually trying to create a bit more of a journey around it, a bit more story around it. So that's one of the areas we're really trying to explore because I think that's quite exciting. Oh, interesting. And yeah. so how did you get into swimming? Right, yes. Um, so uh, I'm not. I, I, this this may this may cause alarm or panic amongst amongst my stakeholders, but I, I'm not actually a swimming teacher, uh, first and foremost. And uh, although I can swim very well, I didn't do it as a competitive sport or anything of that nature. Um, so it's just it's one of these sort of industries I kind of fell into. I, I was working uh, in the industry for about five six years, and an opportunity came up to, to buy this business where I'd worked with the, the founders for a long time and. Yeah, I suppose it's like a lot of things. It just something comes out of the blue, and, and and the stars align, and before you know it, you've you've got the keys, and you think, oh, that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk now about what? diving into uncertainty. Yes, I mean, good pun, you know, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? But I mean, that's yeah. you know, that's a real leap of faith, isn't it? Uh, to... Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy, pretty so crazy. So, how was that process for you? Um, yeah, interesting. Um, I use that word a lot. No, it's it's been it's been illuminating. I think I probably was slightly naive as to as to how complex it would be, mm-hmm. and I think I underestimated the the human side of a change in leadership and ownership. Um, which which 
which took me by surprise. In my mind, I thought if I could, if I could articulate a good enough case for change, and if I could set out the vision and, and how that would benefit, you know, the stakeholders, the customers, etc., that would be job done. And I think that that was one thing that was a bit interesting uh, because it realized I, I sort of realized that the the story behind it was really everything mm. more than kind of actually what was going to happen and that, that's something that I've been learning a lot myself over the last two and a half years kind of the story as to why we're doing something is is key what would you why do you think that's that's the case <sighs> human nature I guess mm. I think it's the nature of humanity I think people people want to believe something people want to believe a story they want to believe why something's happening and, mm. and I have really strong belief as to, as to why I'm doing what I'm doing but I think articulating that to audiences who perhaps perceive that message differently is very very difficult so um so why do you do what you do why do i do what i do what a great question so um here it is so i uh, without being sort of too um how would i put this too sort of negative and disparaging on the world i think the future of our society is facing a great threat particularly with young people I think if you read the press, as many people do, and you hear about um, children's mental health issues, which is obviously coming at the fray a lot, um, childhood inactivity, um, from, from a non-scientific point of view, when I, when I walk down the street, I see people pollute their mobile phones. Mm -hmm. I, I know a number of people, uh, a number of friends of mine and, and people involved in, in young people uh, are aware of the difficulties of recruiting good quality candidates, for example, who can't engage with people, can't hold eye contact, all these issues. And I just think the future for the workforce, society, and where we're moving is frightening. Mm -hmm. and, and I believe that, that these skills around engaging with people, about competition, about learning about failure, about learning about success, are completely going from our society. Mm -hmm. and, and So this isn't just about can you swim and, and prevent yourself from drowning for you? This is about life skills and yes. and humanity. Spot on. Yeah, that, that's kind of what's driving me as an entrepreneur. And I, I feel so passionate about it. And what, what makes people feel really strange about it is I don't have any children at the moment. Um, but I believe it in the, in the, in the very, uh, you know, my very soul that it's, it is terrifying. You know, I think it's, it's, it's a bit like climate change. You know, if you, you really need to be, quite naive and blind if you can't look and open your eyes and see what's happening and i just think it, we, somebody needs to do something and i guess i'm i'm foolish enough to believe that i can play my part in trying to stop this and 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 if we can get you know a handful of young people to be more active and to want to go swimming or to want to play football or to go for a run or anything like that then that's great you know and to have something to do so they're not just on the streets i know idling time I know it's it's really worrying, and even nutrition. I mean, I'm we're going way off topic. I'm I'm passionate about food, and I live in a rural county. I live in Shropshire, and it's a it's a really sort of farming based county. I love great food. You know, when you're growing your own stuff, and you know, there's this um, you know locally reared meats and all that kind of stuff. And you see so many young people who are eating too much fast food, or like you know, with this issue with the sugar and high sugar drinks. And you just look at it and you think, right, this young people here are struggling with attention spans and concentration and you see all these issues and to me you don't need to be a scientist or a nutritionist or have a PhD in education to stick this together and go hang on a minute there's a fairly simple thread here mm. that to me is just blindingly obvious but nobody's doing anything about it or not enough about it well and you are <laughs> that's the plan yes we are I mean clearly you're you're passionate about what you're what you're doing and there's a there's a story a great story around it yes and um, how do you engage uh, the children and how do you engage the parents to get them to 
buy into the importance of this? It's a really interesting question. So I remember back to my marketing, marketing, literally marketing 101. There's also a joke that you do marketing 101. Marketing 101 at university, the first thing that we were taught was the difference between the customer and the consumer. So the consumer, for the listeners, obviously, is the people who actually consume the service, so eat the chocolate bar, and the customer is the people who buy the chocolate bar. Now, often they're the same people, but often they're not. We're a classic business where they are not the same people. Mm. So the children are not our customers. They are consuming the service. They don't make the decision to buy, or there is there is an argument around pester power and, and whatever. Mm. But They clearly influence it. Yeah, there's elements of I want to go swimming or I don't. <laughs> yes, but but that... that so. The reason I'm, I'm doing that little preamble is there is essentially two two communication paths we need to do. Mm. So from a, a, a consumer point of view, from the children's point of view, believe it or not, I think we need to accept that in many ways the war is lost and tablets and phones are here to stay. Oh, actually, mm-hmm. we need to say, do you know what? They're here and we need to find a way to find a happy middle ground where we can combine those two together. Because mm. clearly, I mean, our, you know, our technology brings us huge amounts of benefits doesn't it so it does. it's not about taking that away completely precisely so a really good practical example is gamification so a really good example that happened recently about 18 months ago was pokemon go probably a lot of people talked about or read about was where they used mobile phones augmented reality and people were going to find little creatures in their various societies or wherever it is and that got people really reactive the stories of some people walking in front of level crossings and whatnot which wasn't <laughs> ideal but but the principle the fundamental building block is where technology combined with uh, you know, uh, an idea to get people active worked. Mm. Those same principles, there is a, a there's room for working mm-hmm. in that space. And one mm-hmm. of the things we want to try and do is actually try and gamify something about swimming. So can we can we combine an attainment in the water, or an attainment on a football pitch, or an attainment of a physical activity with some form of digital link? And How do you do that? Uh, really simple. So um, let's say a child swims ten meters. We, we could say that for that 10 meters, they're going to get a series of, of points and those points could unlock a digital reward or, or unlock a digital journey. Similarly, we can weave stories into it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we're exploring at the moment is how can we actually create a narrative? How can we, we create characters and a journey and some sense of reality? So rather than swimming from one in the pool to the other, why aren't they swimming to catch a fish? Why aren't they swimming to dive for treasure? Like something that's creates some imagination. There's a lot of work we do in the background to try and try and unlock that it's, it's complex but we, we it sounds really exciting too, it is. Though, I, love if it. I look back at you know and it was years ago when I learned to swim but it was very dull um and, yes. I, and it was one of those things that I did because because we had lessons at school at the you know in in the time when I was at school we yeah. had we had lessons through school so you had no choice yeah um but I hated it I hated getting wet I hated mm-hmm. getting my face in the water and I hated the fact that I was always the last one to the other side of the pool. <laughs> and, I know. You know, there's something, but I think if I'd been driven by something much more, you know, exciting, like yeah. catching fish or, you know, something. it's the story behind That's what it. Working. Again, I mean, look, it? to be honest, it's, it's a real challenge around, you know, gender neutrality and, you know, one thing that might, you know, boys typically, you know, want to chase things, girls typically don't, but there's a whole gender stereotype issues with there and we, we're trying to be inclusive and, it's, it's complicated. There's a lot of research we're doing in it. We're working with some, some interesting organisations to help us. Um, but it can be done. It can be done. And it will be done. It sounds really exciting. I love it. I'm really infused. I love talking yeah, about it. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I'm I get really it. I get it. Really and excited. Do you, do you associate with yourself as being a, a pioneering entrepreneur? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how big's the ego? Um, that's a really difficult question. I suppose I do, I, um, but I'm 
I'm quite self-deprecating. Like I'm fully aware of I'm a deeply flawed individual, as we all are, and um, I need to rein myself in a lot. I mean, my passion is is my strength, but it's also my weakness. Mm -hmm. So I'm personally at the moment I'm spending a lot of my focus um, being very narrow on my focus and being laser-like on a couple of key things that we want to do. Mm -hmm. And that's helping me get through uncertainty because I think one, one of the things that can happen is you get kind of brief slip, but with someone of my character, that can be quite quite large <laughs> because it just, you know, you see with the nature of what I talked about, the background, there are so many issues. You know, if you take nutrition as an example, I'd quite like to bring back in some form cooking to children. That is a massive health and that's safety nightmare business. and a huge business on its own. And so yeah. I have to go, do you know what, that's... That's that's for the future, and let's just focus. We've got one thing. We've got swimming lessons. We can really make that exciting. We can really make that cool, and let's focus on that. So yeah, mm. that's. I'm trying to be pioneering. I think, I do think what we're doing is generally diff, genuinely different. I do think, in many ways, we're we're conceptually there. We've just got to deliver it. I know I know the the idea in my head. I know how it's forming in my head. We're, we're already there. We've done it. We've mm. just got to deliver it, mm. which is half the challenge. And is that the challenge for you, is the execution of it rather than the vision? Absolutely. My vision is just unflappable. There's mm. just no, you, you, you could hang me upside down in a bucket of water for six hours and I will come out with the same vision. Mm. So that, no, yeah, it's the execution. And, and that's, that's to do with every business challenge of, mm. of cash flow, of timing, of resourcing, of, of growth. I mean, as a business, we, we're going through a step change in growth, which is terrifying, but, but really... Um, cash intensive and, and, and challenging, but but also so exciting. I mean, when I took over the business, you know, uh, I mean, we've grown two or three times in, in two and a half years, mm. um, which is just mad, mm. you know, absolutely mad. Mm. Um, but trying to keep hold of that with the quality of what we believe in is a challenge. Yeah. So are you someone that thrives on uncertainty? Yes. Yes. Can you tell? There's a wry <laughs> smile there. There is, isn't there? I love it. Yeah, I do. Is that... I mean, you just exude passion when you're talking about the future and your vision. I mean, there's just huge passion and energy <laughs> and enthusiasm, yes. which I think is what we'd expect from an entrepreneur. Yes. What would your advice be to somebody in a, perhaps in a larger organisation, like, I don't know, like a bank or a um, or an IT company? How do you... How do you get them excited to exude the same level of, of passion and, and enthusiasm with the uncertainty? For me, it all comes down to belief. Mm -hmm. Belief is a really key word to me and what I live by because a lot of people talk about believing an idea and believing a concept and it's sometimes used a bit of a throwaway thing, particularly management speak. Um, but you, you need to truly believe what you're doing. Mm. Truly believe it to the mm. point because... What I found is when you go along this journey, the knocks are going to be enormous. Mm -hmm. um, at times, they're going to be near suffocating. They will make you question everything you're trying to do. If you don't truly believe why you're trying to do whatever that is, whether it's design a new water bottle or change a contract or whatever it might be, if you don't truly believe why you're doing it, it will never work. Mm -hmm. So the first step for me is you've got to believe it. And that's about understanding why you're doing it and what you're trying to achieve. So do you think it's easier to be an entrepreneur than it is for somebody in a large organisation where they perhaps haven't had a say in what the vision or the strategy is? It depends in one context, doesn't it? I mm -hmm. mean, you mean easy in terms of day-to-day -day or easy to achieve well, something trans transformational? Yeah. I mean, day-to-day, -day, for sure, it's, I think it's easier being in an organisation. I mean, I... I worked for IBM and Grant Thornton and other sort of major companies uh, for for a smallish amount of time during my university career and whatnot. So I, I've I've had that kind of big big company experience and um, yeah, it's it's a lot easier in terms of you don't have the responsibility and that, that 
that's everything. You know, mm. within the day when I come home, I'm responsible for a lot of people's salaries and mm. food on the table. You know, mm. that, that, that if you think about that too much, it'd drive you mad. Mm. It's it's terrifying. Yeah. Genuinely, it's yeah. terrifying. You know, yeah. there's people people I, I love and, and care about very much who who work in in our businesses and the thought of if I I mess this up and I I don't, I don't call this right and and you know there's somebody going back says sorry you know i've lost my job you know, you know and when you speak to people they're like yeah but i'll get another one and it doesn't make me feel any better mm, mm. so no i think it's a lot easier with a big company i mean that to be an entrepreneur is is a serious task and something i if i'm honest i i under i thought i was ready for it and <laughs> i don't think i would, i think i i was ready in terms of my skills but in terms of i wasn't ready for how hard it was being yeah, I mean, I think nothing prepares you for running no. your own business, does it? I mean, I, no. I, I have a similar background. I've worked in IBM as well. So, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I had We're 16 years in, in IBM. So, cool. Uh, <laughs> there we go. So I get it. And nothing prepares you. 16 years of leadership roles in IBM doesn't prepare you for, for running your own business. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to unpick because clearly your enthusiasm and your energy is a big part of what's um, making you successful. But what else is it that makes you thrive on uncertainty? Because I'm guessing that there'll be people who are listening that are going, oh, I feel, you know, the idea of uncertainty is really uncomfortable for some people. Mm. Um, the idea of taking that leap of faith into mm. the unknown, whether it's buying their own business or, you know, setting up the way that you're going and changing mm. direction. For some people, that would just be excruciating and paralyzing. Mm. What is it that, what are the skills that you've got that enable you to just go, do you know what, I'm willing to have a go? I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I'm, I know this is probably isn't the thing to be said, but I'm, I, I'm actually quite a firm believer that a lot of these skills can't be taught. Um, and I think it's a mindset thing. I think you can have your mindset re-angled. But for me, I always go back to sports. So when I was um, much younger... I was involved in rowing really, really heavily. I was a cox, actually. I was a little guy that shouts, which everyone looks at me and goes, that explains a lot, um, mainly because I'm quite short. But um, I probably learned most of what I use in business through that experience of sports. So I did it to an extremely high level. I started off at school, went my way through to being on the England team. Mm. And dealing with extreme pressure. Uh, you know, you're at a final of a race, you've got six crews alongside you you're at a two kilometer course you have six minutes to change the lives of nine people including yourself mm -hmm. you have worked nine months we've all seen footage of the boat race it's a, the heartache or the elation at the end of that it's not you know no one can compare and contrast it but it's that kind of space mm. these people have given up girlfriends partners uh you know nights out of university because they believe this is what they want to do mm -hmm. and the way you call those next seven minutes is everything you've got six people alongside you you've got changes in strategy you've got changes in weather and, and the pressure to perform mm. is just unbelievable and for me it's about repeating that so coming back to your original question you've just got to keep doing it you've mm. got to keep exposing it over and over again so do you think practice has a has a large part to play 100%. in terms of keeping your cool and staying grounded under pressure because 100%. you know we see some people who really hold their nerve and, and most sport is won or lost on nerve at the end of the day because yes most people have put in the hard graft of the of the training and often particularly team sports it comes down to to nerve doesn't it or you know yes. or tennis or something of course so do you think it is the the repeated failure practicing for those moments that enable you to 
to keep going and to have a go and to have the confidence to have a go. Of course, I, 100%. I couldn't have put it better. Yeah, it, it is. It is just about repetition and, and knowing that actually, do you know what? You're going to fall off a horse. Get back on it. Mm. Like that, you know. I know you've got a great picture of all your, some of your, your equine. Uh, uh, I didn't get back on my horse. I did fall <laughs> off and I'm not getting back on. But you understand the point. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, whether it's um, going for a run and you, you know, maybe you set yourself a benchmark, you don't quite hit it, you, you know, you've got to try again. That, that's life, that's humanity. You know, mm. This comes right back to for kids. This is fundamentally my passion. There's kids there who don't know how to deal with failure. Yeah. Failure to me is everything. Failure is not something to be afraid of, it's something to be embraced. Every time I fail, I learn. Mm. You know, yes, some failure is horrible and it's bumpy and it makes you feel rotten and all the rest of it. But so how do you pick yourself up in those moments when it feels rubbish and <sighs> uh, uh, well, and you're sat on the sofa going, <laughs> oh, woe is me, the world crying, is ending. Crying with gin in the fetal position. <laughs> um, I suppose, yeah, I suppose what my friends would say, beer, but no, um, not a good idea. Um, for me, it's a great support network and it's actually articulating how you feel and, and, and being, being honest with yourself that something has hurts and something is painful is, is always a good start. Um, I, I personally find things like exercise really, really helpful. So mm -hmm. I literally go for a run and run myself into the ground, excuse the pun, and um, that, that I find really helpful. But I, I guess everybody has different coping mechanisms. Mm. I mean, we're here today in the you know, NatWest Accelerator Hub in Birmingham and before we start this interview, I was saying how transformational this program has been for me. And, mm. and you know, just, I'll, ne I'll never forget the first day, um, I hope Lee hears this, Lee, Lee Currier was um, was leading a session. He's one of the the, uh, the key guys at NatWest here. And um, I'll never forget this, we did, we did this kickoff day. And I, I don't know what made me do it. And you talk about, you know, being in the right place, the right time, and something taking over and all this, I'm not a religious guy, but you sometimes wonder what happened. And he said, he asked, he asked the room, he said, is anyone, is anyone scared? And without even knowing, it was one of those moments from a film. I looked and I was like, my hands up. I know. I was like, how's that got there? And next thing, a microphone is in my face. And he was like, oh, Theo, you know, do you want to share? And I just, I, for whatever reason, I just went, I'm terrified. I'm, I'm terrified of failure. And the reason I'm telling you this is that's the first time I'd ever actually admitted to myself and to, and to a room how scared I was of getting this wrong. Mm. And actually, just by just admitting that, it unlocks so much pressure because suddenly all these people were like, yeah, I feel the same. And I was like, oh, there was me thinking I was inferior or thinking I was a Muppet or, you know, a weak or... And suddenly there's a room of 50, 60, 90, how many people, you know, were in that room just basically saying the same thing. And I just felt so much better. And, and it's an interesting one, fear, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, I always say that everybody gets scared. You know, it doesn't matter what level, what, what your role is, you know, whether you're the global CEO of a of an organization or you're entering the organization in your first position yeah. everybody gets scared um, and it's how we how we handle that and how we manage it and normally what most people do is they stuff it down and pretend it's not happening Spot on. what I'm hearing from you is that there was a liberation with um, you know with being able to name that in a absolutely absolutely and, and do you know what it's really interesting to say that so, so what shifted for you at that point personally mm. it, it was like it was like an anvil had been taken off my forehead I, I can't describe it it was the most it, it was it was the marking point of a complete change in how I viewed myself and how I viewed what I was doing and it was it was just it was like a freedom mm. I mean I, I chat to my mum about this a lot and we, she talks about you know a free spirit a free heart and, and that kind of just that, 
it's almost like having that creative space to think again. I felt like I wasn't being as creative and entrepreneurial as I should have been. I wasn't being creative in my problem solving because of the business of, of our nature. You know, we have a lot of challenges. You need to think, be really agile in your thought. It was literally that fear of failure was stopping me be the best version of me. It's paralyzing, isn't it? It literally yeah. was paralyzing. That's an excellent word for it. And I've probably spent many, many years not dealing with that issue mm. and, and just to actually acknowledge it was all it needed mm. so what would your advice be to other people then because clearly everybody who's listening will get scared at some point whether yes. they like to admit it or not yes. everybody will what would your advice be to people when they feel scared well, you know whether it's a little bit scared or absolutely terrified I think you'll feel better when you deal with it I mean obviously if you're in the middle of a contract negotiation and you know you really need this deal to go through I wouldn't advise telling your 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 opposite that your your petrify this won't go through because somebody's probably going to wipe the floor with you. So, but you mentioned support structure earlier. I mean, of course, you know, even in a negotiation, you're rarely on your own. There's usually a support network, even if it's just your mum or your friend or yes. you know or somebody else in the organisation that you yes. can call on to say, you know, I'm I'm just doing this help. Yeah, I think it's talking about it. I mean, one of the things I hope to give back yeah. to the entrepreneurial community at some point. I mean, I'm a long way off 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 this now because I'm quite young. And a long way on my journey, but I, I actually would love to, to talk more to entrepreneurs about fear and about failure. And actually, mm. it's okay. You know, mm. it is okay. And I, the question you posed a couple of moments ago is really interesting about CEOs because in my head, you know, I, I you read all these books about various people, and you know, one individual, you know, obviously his past now that I absolutely idolise is Steve Jobs on, on his vision. And in my head, you know, I see him as some kind of demigod, and the thought of him ever having any kind of fear to me is just alien because you create this construct, you create this vision of this individual, and you see the presentations on the keynotes, which are just amazing, and, and you see the passion, and you never think. But of course, you're well, of course right. he's a flawed human being, the same as everybody is. else is. Of course, yeah. he is. But, but for whatever reason, I don't know about you, but I look at these individuals, and, and that never enters my head. Well, I'm in the business of knowing that, <laughs> that they do. So I don't. But, uh, but, but do you think yeah. do you think that's um, do you think that's typical that people will put successful people on a pedestal and just think I want to be like them without realizing that actually they're going through the same emotions that the rest of us mere mortals go through. You know, we all get scared, we all get you know paralyzed. We all have moments where we don't know what to do. Yeah. Sometimes we need to ask for help. Sometimes we just don't know the answers. Absolutely. Do, do you think it, it helps to, to recognise that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I always think it's really interesting when you sort of, you read about celebrities and they sort of, um, well, in any way, celebrity cultures, but, you know, you, you sort of read these people earning a lot of money and, and blah, 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 and there'll be some issue and there'll, there'll be some comments somewhere on somewhere and somebody say, oh, well, they're so rich, what the hell do they, you know, how do they possibly have any worries in the world? And I suppose I can actually relate to that in the sense that I'm not so rich, but um, I could understand even though you're, a rock star on a stage or you're a leading actress or you're a business you know supremo who travels the world in private jets and whatever it might be mm. we're all the same at the end of the day we're flesh and bone mm. at the end of the day we all worry and fears you know you might be some absolute nutter that doesn't but mm. you're probably the person who can say will you ever come across somebody like that mm. I'm guessing probably not I think it's it's the universal leveler it is, and we all have the same fears, you know, coming back to, to what was driving you, we all have the same fears of, you know, to, to different degrees around the future of the planet and the mm. future of society and the future of children. And, you know, most people have the same concerns around that. Absolutely. Um, well, it's been amazing to talk to you, <laughs> but I've got a couple more questions. Sure, of course. Um, Theo, what keeps you awake at night? Uh, the cogs in my brain. So I have this thing in my head. 
I'd love to hear if anybody else has this. Where I close my eyes, I feel like my brain is actually processing information. It's like a gearbox. Mm-hmm. It's going, and I I work through various scenarios in my head mm-hmm. every night. I wish I could stop, but I can't. So for the moment, we're we're for example, we're launching a really big new management system that we spent an enormous amount of money designing, um, which is incredibly wonderful and just brilliant. But I keep thinking about what I can do with it and how I can leverage it, and I'm like a tinkerer. Mm. So how do you switch off? Sure, my mentor asked me this exact same question about three weeks ago. Um, yeah, how do I switch off? Um, well, uh, <laughs> when you mentioned running earlier, yes, yeah, that's. Or is that of, just something you do when you when it all falls apart? No, no, no. I try and I try and exercise at three or four times a week. Um, I'm um, love spending time with my girlfriend, and we're um, we uh, we love both massively passionate about musical theatre. That's one of my other big passions, and. Um, we go to lots of theatre stuff, which I love. Which I suppose is a form of escapism. Mm-hmm. I, I love. I, I find the. I love the classics. I find stuff from the forties, fifties, and sixties. Apart from the fact that I don't care what anyone says, the music back then is just objectively better. If you don't think that, you're literally wrong. <laughs> um, but I, I, I suppose I, I love. You know, the glamour and the kind of just the romance of it, and the kind of. What was I watching a program the other day? I was watching a program about. Um, I'm going really off talk here about um, the National Crime Agency, and they were they were smashing. Um, this is getting rather macabre, but it, it is relevant. They were smashing a, a paedophile ring, um, and they were interviewing the investigating officers how they went about it. And there was an amazingly poignant moment. There's a reason I'm telling you this, where they said um, that they were from uh, Bahrain in the Middle East. Um, the, the ring was centred there, and um, they asked the suspects, the Bahrainian police, when they interviewed the suspects, why did you target English? Uh, children it was an online abuse thing as opposed to any other country and the reason they said the lady said was because um, of our perceived low society morals and we're uh, which is just disgusting in terms of what happened but i can't help thinking in the back of my mind i was like yeah there's there's you know when you read certain things in the press and you see what's going on and some of the issues of society and things I talked about earlier, you can sort of see how someone would form that view, however misconceived it is. Mm. And so coming back to sort of me and what I do for me, I, one of the things I love about forties, fifties, sixties musicals is yes, yes, back then media was kind of limited and, and yes there was these restrictions and it's a whole fascinating debate about should there be some form of control and censorship on media, which we don't want to get into. But one of the reasons I love the classics is there's this this sense of of, of hope and there's this sense of just you escape to a dreamland for two for, for two hours and and it's just yes it's all kitsch and yes it's ridiculous and it's it's not realistic but it's just it's lovely and it's just it just works it's my little thing I just love it well and and what I'm hearing with the swimming is that you're providing hope too you're providing that sense of you know it's a, it's escapism it's it's you know it's exercise it's kind of getting the body moving it's getting people physical. Um, it, it, it's pro- you're providing hope and it's the only sport that will save your life there you go and that is a great tagline <laughs> it's true it's the only sport that I'm aware of that will save your life yeah well you've got my brain whirring now <laughs> on so last question for you then sure. is your success hard work and graft or is it just luck uh, it is hard work and graft but I think everybody needs a little bit of lady luck on their side every now and again mm-hmm. it's a happy blend there's mm-hmm. always a right place, right time. Mm. But yeah, I work really hard, mm. <laughs> and my team work really, really hard, mm. really, really, really hard. Yeah. And, and um, 
they say behind every great man is a great woman. In my case, I have a very quite a female dominant workforce, um, and uh, for me, I'm surrounded by some fantastic women who um, who just yeah give everything and come on my crazy little journey, and some mm. great guys as well. But yeah. um, particularly our office in Manchester, I think he's all women, which is um, yeah put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. Whoever's saying this gender uh, gender. Um, Equality issues. Well, it depends on the sector, I think. Yes. It? Well, look, Theo, it's been amazing to talk to you. Oh, thank I've you absolutely so much. loved it. And, you know, the one thing that I come away with is there is hope. I hope so. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Theo is genuinely concerned about health, well being, nutrition, and obesity in children. And his vision is compelling. And I think it's definitely in reach. The world needs more entrepreneurs like Theo who see a vision of where the world is actually heading and decide to do something to change its course. That's something I can easily get behind. Stories are so fascinating and engaging, don't you think? What's the story behind why you go to work in the morning? That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next interview on Leading Through Uncertainty. Thank you.